five. Jeremiah nine. And they will deceive everyone his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. There's that word they, right? Yeah. And that's speaking of those brothers and neighbors that's in first place. Mm-hmm. And uh, their their moral temperature is is lukewarm. Which yes. ain't a good which ain't a good thing. <laughs> and uh, so when we look at what's going on here and what their what their convert what their lifestyle is, what's where their hearts are directed in supplanting and slandering and you know speaking lies all those kind of things they're they are found to be in the same condition that will be prevalent in the last days here's here's some more in jeremiah where there's application right directly in time jeremiah but there's also an application that can be used for today and for the days yet to come and in second timothy 313 um Paul said that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Evil men and seducers. Which would line up directly with the brothers that supplant and the neighbors that speak language. And in the last days, which is what Paul's talking about in Timothy. By the way, these last days that Paul was talking about, that, that this condition of men's hearts and stuff would be like this, that's been going, the last days have been here for 2,000 years. You ever thought about that? Yes, I have. That it's kind of like the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The day of the Lord isn't one day. It's a it's a it's a time frame that goes over seven years, or at least three and a half. But anyway. So, the, you know, when we speak of the last days, we got we got to remember that these are days that people, even back in John and Paul's day, where they thought they was in the last days. These things have been being experienced through that whole time. 
we we are experiencing it now. This advice that God's given Jeremiah to tell the people, take heed everyone his neighbor, take heed everyone of his uh, brother and neighbor. We need to we need to take that advice as well. Yes. So that none of these, you know, that these things are, are have been ongoing. It's not a cycle. It's an ongoing thing. And so when he tells Timothy that men will wax worse and worse, okay, how how does he say? What's he using as the basis for how they will wax worse and worse? In, in how are they going to wax worse and worse? How are they going to wax worse and worse? Uh-huh. Uh, well, I think it says that the love of many shall wax worse and worse. I don't know, but it is. Well, did you... I guess you, there's... Uh-huh. Did you turn to Second Timothy 3, 3, 3, 13? I did not, but I can. Well, he, he tells you the answer. Oh, well then. So, if you'll look there, and I'll, I'll still put that question before you. How are they going to wax worse and worse? Three. Thirteen. Beware of the thirteens. First Timothy? Second Timothy. Oh, 13. I'm looking at 16. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast thou assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Okay. The way they're going to wax worse and worse is through deception and being deceived. That's where they're going to wax worse and worse, which is just what Jeremiah is speaking of when he says they will deceive everyone his neighbor. Yeah. Well, the the seducers are going to, they're the deceivers and they will be deceived, right? Evil men yeah. and, or the evil men and deceived. the seducers. Yeah. They're not only going to be deceivers, but they're going to be the recipients of deception themselves yeah yeah i kind of that's where i kind of went with is with that deceit now that you're you're running down that that bunny trail that's kind of yeah. the word that i was kind of looking at and kind of stopped at okay and you know i jumped right into this and i forgot that you was going to say something right at the beginning but you wanted us to begin so uh, yeah, it, it, is is that part of what she was going to say, or is it... well, no, but it can be. Um, it, it's kind of. Well, I, I, I just to... no, no, not at all. So with that word deceit, I started running, uh, you know, through the Bible and looking where all the references are, and I ended up coming up to Matthew seven and Romans chapter one, you know, and we're talking about. Um, in Matthew 7, we're talking about what comes and proceeds out of the heart of man. 
right? Right. And then um, Romans 1 is what's coming out of the heart of man is placed in action. You know, that's where it's it's being taken place now. And uh, this is where iniquity is and uh, sin. So I started looking through this Jeremiah and it almost, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't get all the way through it yet, but it almost looked like it matched up with Romans chapter one. Right. There's, there's like a similarity there to show like, absolutely. You know, that, uh, let's see. Revealed, maybe known in them, but all of the stuff that was could be known was in them. God had showed it unto them with there without excuse. Every bit of it is the same thing. It's right here in, in Jeremiah. They uh, neither walked therein in verse 13, uh, not obeyed my voice. They just stiffened their head their neck and harden their heart even more you know uncircumcised in their heart these are unregenerated people and you know where it says holding the truth of god but denying the power thereof look they're holding the law while they're doing it and saying we need to do this and not that you know and then you can go the hypocritical part of it yeah yeah but that's oh, yeah. what I wanted to say because I, I started seeing this this uh, nice contrast that it could be a, a if laid out it could be a good sermon or good good study notes or whatever about that. You bet, you bet, and and, and it just goes to show that it's ongoing. It's not something that comes and goes and, and goes in cycles or whatever. Well, we'll be through with this in a little bit, and then. Who knows when it will pop up again? But now this is this is ongoing stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing that it should teach us as well, ongoing that you're speaking of, uh, if, um, is that <clears throat> we're dealing with sin, and it it, it may come in different uh, shapes, sizes, oh, flavors. It, it may, but it's it's still sin, you know. It's yep. the same girl, but the but a different dress. That's what it is. And um, that's why John introduced him as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin. Yes, that all the sins are included in it. Yeah, he, he took away that big umbrella that all all the sin falls under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like where it says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, mm-hmm. but the way thereof is singular. Is a, it ends up in death? It ends up being plural because every every man has his own way of thinking what's right in his own mind, his own heart, and it's yeah. all different. But dolls under there is a way we're seeing it right. Yeah, and that's why we use the Bible, because the Bible is perfect and pure. And instead of using our way, we read God's way, and then we obey God's way, and then now we're transforming our way to His way. Hallelujah. 
That's uh, the importance of the Word of God. And that's why it's important to have the right Bible, you know, because there are Bibles that are out there that are designed to teach the false, the deceivers, sure. uh, the seducers and the evil men. They, there are Bibles out there that are teaching their false doctrine that they're wanting to push. You can get a certain Bible and uh, and you can probably tell by the preacher what they recommend. You know, maybe that's where it's at. If they are recommending the new American Standard Version, maybe that leans more towards Calvinism. I never thought about that, you know, until just now. Where if they per, uh, use and promote an NIV, maybe they lean more towards uh, loose living, you know, right. uh, or denying the Lord them, even themselves. You know what I mean? Um, are you, are you, that's why he says don't change anything of this word. All you have to do is change a word or two. That's what the devil did. Mm -hmm. He just he just changes a word or two out of it, and it changes the whole thing. And a lot of people just poo-poo that and go, yeah, come on, get real. Get real. Yeah. The, the, this version says the same thing with the King James. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But, you know, he that believes it is uh, unclean, let him believe it's unclean. Let him be unclean. Yeah. So I, I, I absolutely, every day I become more and more convinced that God didn't need help with all these other translations. His word didn't need no help. His word didn't need to be made any easier to understand. That's just a crutch to yeah. assuage your uh, guilt of the sin that you commit. Yeah. Help you be more comfortable in your living in sin. Yeah, exactly. God's word doesn't want you to be comfortable in it. He wants you to get rid of it. And then there's the other side. There's not everybody that are reading those Bibles that are wanting to live sinful or live in sin, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, but I just don't understand where, uh, I don't know. Glenn Happ, uh, Margaret's husband from North Current there, he, he used to do the sound booth. Yeah. Well, he was, he was, he got in a, uh, new, uh, I don't know if it was NIV or, he got a translation Bible and he did see that there was a thing wrong with it in the world. You know, he, he was one of them that poo pooed anything about, you know, you don't have to have a King James Bible. You can have any of these that work. And I don't know if I ever got through to him or not, but I just, you know, I told him one time when we was talking about that and he, rolled his eyes again when I said something about the King James. And I said, wait a minute, Glenn, have you ever considered you was brought up on the King James Bible and raised up in the King James Bible? So you have a foundation. You've got roots set there. Now when you go into these other Bibles, you can get, you, you can dodge the minefields that's in them because you are rooted and grounded in the King James. Mm. And he, he, you know, he, he, he didn't want any of that. Yeah. He, he, he did. He, he just thought that these new translations, he was one of the believers that it was easier to read and it was easier to understand. 
But I mean, when God gave you the Holy the Holy Spirit to breathe these words out and, and sent Him to dwell within us, where do we need any help? Uh, he knows exactly what He said and what He meant when He said it. He can tell us. He's right here with us. All we got to do is tap into Him. But I just always thought, you know, and I think there's just a lot of people that way that have a good foundation set in the King Bible. And then when they go to these other ones, they're worded different. And maybe to them, it is easier to roll that for some easier. But well, you I, know, I've noticed a lot of folks that are like that, too. And, and within those lot of folks, I notice a lot of them sway towards other doctrine, you know. False doctrine as well. So I don't know. Sure, because it feeds the flesh. Yeah. That that's that's what the you know and there's God just needed the one book to be written and he's got it. And we've got it. And so, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you before or not. But one of the, it's it's real uh, subtle. But even in the, uh, I think it's in the Lord's Prayer. Where. Uh, it says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Yeah, says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Everybody says on earth as it is in heaven. That's not what the King James says. It says in earth. Now, what, what could be the difference? What's the big deal, whether it's in earth or on earth? Well, in earth is the is hell, and the center of the earth is hell. On earth is not. That's the surface, the top. Do the context. Thy will be done in earth or on earth as it is in heaven. In earth. Okay. We are earth investors, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Doesn't God's will, doesn't he get his will done through man? Yeah. I mean, he can get it done himself. But doesn't he use man to get his will done? Yeah. Thy will be done in earth. If if the Bible that you're reading says on earth, you'll never get that revelation. You can't make it give you that revelation. Just little things like that that's added to or taken away from or, or or switched around can make all the difference in the world. The, and, and that's just an example of yeah. what, what the other... That's a good example. I like that example. What the other translations miss out on. And then when they when they just drop off the word blood and stuff so many times like they do, mm-hmm. and we're 
something else, you're, you're, you're missing the blood. If you're missing the blood, you're missing the whole thing. See, this is the thing. You have the evil men and the seducers who are going to deceive and be deceived. Okay? Right. So you have... Um, uh, whew, uh, what was I going to say? So what I'm getting at is that it's uh, not the enemy is not necessarily the people that are reading the translations that don't know any better, you know, or if they're so filled with pride that they think they know better and no one's going to tell them otherwise, you know, that's, there's two different sides of that coin. And then there's the ones that are putting the information out that have no problem with saying, Oh, there's no reason why the blood needs to be there. Uh, right, right. There's no reason why the uh, the virgin birth needs to be here, you know, so on and so forth. Those right. are the evil men. Here. Those are the men that are end up deceiving the people, the flock, you know. Right. So there's there's a difference. There's a difference between the two. Here it looks like the Lord is lumping everyone together that nobody is without an excuse, you know? Right. To the priest to the, to, to the little one, you know? Right. Because it says to, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. So right. when he was saying all that is everybody in that allotment. So it's just not, that's even, that's bad brother is when the student is the one that is the deceiver too you know because you have the fruit of that am i making sense yeah no that that's how you become deceived and when you become deceived then what you are going to witness and what you're going to testify of will be deceived as well and that will just and that will deceive someone else so that you become not only deceived, but you become the purveyor of deception. Yeah. And the devil behind all of that. Mm. So it doesn't take long for this to take place. Right. No. It could take 20 years, 50 years, one year. It, you know, it just takes really fast and how what it could be, I guess. Hmm. Well, and that's that's why in in Timothy, when Paul's speaking, and those those evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. I looked up wax in the and uh, one of the applications of it I thought it was very interesting was is to press forward. Oh, wax worse and worse. Let's go pressing <laughs> forward. They will yeah. press. They will press for just like that. Just like that uh, verse says up there in uh, uh, verse three, for they proceed from evil to evil. Mm -hmm. They wax, they wax towards evil to evil. Yeah. And that's exactly opposite of what we're, we're supposed to press toward the mark. The mark, yeah. For the prize. Yeah. These guys are waxing towards deception, deception. Evil, evil. Yeah. And well, you know, I'm sorry. Go, 
No, go ahead. Well, you know, and that deceive is part of the one of works of the flesh, being Absolutely. deceived or, you know, and I think that comes into different personalities that we need to know ourselves, you know, we need to know the sin that does so easily beset us, you know, and maybe we don't. Uh, but if you keep falling in there, I think you'd want to ask the Lord to, hey, man, uh, I know it might be this, but is it deeper than that? Because I keep on falling into the same trap. What's going on here? You know, but we have a sin that does so easily beset us. And it's good to know that. But when you're not wanting to have the conscience of God at all, none whatsoever, that that's a scary thought. Yeah, and it, and it all leads to callousness and uh, hard hearts. Yeah, that at some point in time that they can't be touched. They're they're just they're solidified to the point that they're not going to be touched. Mm. And hopefully, we can reach them before they get to that point. Well, we can sow something there that will start to soften it back up. Well, see, there's a difference, I think, between then and now, right? <coughs> We're dealing with the nation, the nation of Israel, in the context of this Jeremiah. Right. <coughs> we could get application, but it's not, you know, we could get application, and but it's not sound doctrine where we could say this is definite, you know. Um. And then you have our New Testament that the Lord warns us of all these things. I don't know. Yeah. Well, huh. the, 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 the point of it is that these, these, the they that we was talking yeah. about that's here, these guys, they'll press towards untruthfulness and evil to evil to the extent that they become habitual liars. Yeah. And to the point that they teach their tongues to speak lies. Boy, the, t the tongue don't need no help. <laughs> yeah, it's an unruly evil. No man can tame it. Yeah. It's, it's poison. And, but these guys, instead of trying to bridle their tongue, they're, they're trying to grow their tongue to be more, in their eyes, majestic or more... Uh, mm. Well, like Jesus said, he said, uh, their mouth is an open sepulcher. Amen. You know, that'd Amen. be kind of like, I mean, I always thought like, well, I really didn't know how to put that to context until just now thinking of their tongue. How they speak in death, they're speaking lies. You know, yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's, Satan it's garbage. Is the, yeah, Satan's the father of lies. And ye are your father the devil, and the lust and, of your father you will do. And it shows what's in their heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And and that's what Jesus could see. You know, it'd be nice sometimes if we could, you know, see those things. We just have to hear the word and, and hear what people are saying and then examine it and put them up against God's word and see whether or not we need to listen to it or whether we need to throw it away. And Jesus could do that. And, and we can to the extent that we know God's word. 
but so many people uh, are willing <coughs> to let somebody else explain to them what God's word is saying. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Everyone's wanting to be a teacher, <coughs> but you have need for someone to teach you again. That's Amen. Touching, you know. Yep. That's a that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Instead of us submitting ourselves one to another as the Lord told us to, right? You know, and therefore allowing whoever is preaching, whoever is teaching, whoever's to allow the Word of God and through that Word of God alone, not the preacher, to have yeah, uh, you to be ministered to. Have trust. But sometimes, in- sometimes you have preachers that get up that are it, this. It, they're not doing what God wants them to do. <laughs> and so you're squirming and kicking. <clears throat> but I understand that there's many of people in this world that are sitting under seeing that same thing, you know, that the preacher's just up there talking right. and not even giving Bible. Um, me and Genevieve, well, it had to have been when Eden was a little baby, but me and Genevieve went to this church in Michigan, and we were visiting, and I sat in a church, and it was very, very empty, and, uh, well, there was maybe like 30 people, 20 people or something, not very empty, um, but you're sitting there, and I'm looking, and this old man behind me, he tells me, hey, man, you see that kid over there? I said, yeah. He said, you should watch out for him. Uh, uh. He's a weirdo. I said, okay, he's my type of people then, you know, because I'm a weirdo. And then the preacher got up, and he talked about his whole vacation, slideshow and everything. Right. And I was like, where in the world is the word of God here? Why are you here? You couldn't have done this before? You could, What? You know, you have backbiting and devouring one another in the seats, and it's Part it's because of the leadership sitting up there, not even taking charge and preaching the word of God. Absolutely, that's a sad thing, brother. Yeah, it, it's changed from a hospital for the lost and for the sick to uh, entertainment. Uh, it, it it well, I, I don't think uh, yeah, it is that too. But what I think it is okay, it, what it's become. The pulpit has become um, um, the psychiatrist speaking box. You know, either you're going to tell someone uh, psychiatry way of how to live for the Lord, which is totally against scripture, or you are going to um, tell everyone about your problems so they can feel sorry for you, you know. It's a psychiatrist podium now. There's well, no scripture. You, you, do you understand what I mean when I say that? I do, yeah. Because um, and it's amazing that you said that there was only 20 or 30 there because a lot of these mega churches that have tens of thousands of whatever of people in there, it, it's all for entertainment value. It's not for, it's not for having God's word touch you and change you. No, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's just a celebrate. I and mean, there's nothing wrong with celebrating the Lord like David did when he brought the ark in. There's nothing wrong with 
all, you know, jumping up and down and dancing and praising God and all that stuff. You know, if it's focused on God and God knows if it's focused on Him, and whether you're just there to listen to some good singers and and music and shake your hips and all that stuff, <clears throat> God knows. Yeah. But I I just see way too much entertainment. What draws people into the pews? Well, yeah, well, the entertainment is, the, the deception behind the entertainment is that God accepts this type of worship. It makes you comfortable in your sin, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, God accepts this type of worship. So, and I think it goes back to the thing where if you are willing to step in, well, not everybody, I have to put a, uh, um, a clause under that not everybody but it seems Absolutely. like that when you go into that then you're capable of being more deceit deceived because you're more anxious to learn and you're more of this and then these men and these women are learning falsely because they're anxious to learn right and in yeah. and predestination why- and all this other stuff Calvinism comes in and creeps in rampant brothers rampant the the picture that they don't show you is that there's as many people going out the back door as there is coming in the front door and then big them big churches all you see is how many people are there and you think yeah. well, they're there. but no <coughs> there's as many people leaving as there are coming because the people that are leaving have finally come to the point where they said you know what this isn't what i was looking for i yeah. enjoy I enjoy the entertainment stuff, but what I'm looking for is for a change. Yeah, something different than the bar room. I'm looking for God to change my life. And so they they finally come to the point where they get, they said, you know what? I'm not in the right place. I need to get out of here and go find some place where God can work on me. Because Lord knows I love the entertainment and all that stuff, but it, it's not doing what I'm searching what I'm searching for. And so that's the that's the part that they don't show you. How many people it's a revolving door to them big churches. They're changing <coughs> they're, they're, turning, they're turning over folks all the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, they don't tell you that. You just think that the same guys that were there this week will be there next week and the next week and they're, they're, they're there. They're fixtures, but they're not. They they come and go big time. And thank God for that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they realize that this isn't where they're going to get what they need to make yeah. it through this. And you know, brother, it's a, I just thought of something else. It's a, a, you know, the Lord said there must needs be heresy, you know? And uh, there, there must be it, a good need for it because <clears throat> there wouldn't be a battle, right? If there wasn't anything that we had to oppose against, right? You know, there wouldn't be. I, I mean, brother, I learned the Bible by, you know, by knocking on doors and people telling me their their Bible view, and I went back and studied it out, and I'd come back to them and say, "Hey, look." You know, what you said, you're off about right here, here, here. I know what you said here, but you left off one, two, three, four, five. But if you look at those one, two, three, four, five, 
then the other two make sense that you do have eternal life, you know, or you do this or that, you know, that's how, that's how I learned the Bible, you know, it's by talent talking to people about the Lord. And then they telling me their Bible view of what I, I need to be baptized in the Holy spirit. I'm like, okay, let me go find out what the Bible says. And I went and looked and there it was, you know, and that's what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. No, that's not the only way I learned the Bible, but that's the way I learned about a difference between different Bible versions. I didn't know that there was a difference between them until I got out there. And luckily, and thank God, I had the King James Bible, uh, what I was told to get and read, and that's what I grabbed and read, you know. I didn't know any better. Well, yeah, I, I, I do. I love the book. Mm -hmm. mm. But you know, again, what we're what we're looking at in Jeremiah—that's that, how well, well, what we've been talking about here for the last ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, or however long it is. How we're in, we're in these days. These guys relate. To everything that's around us and to us as well today. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I I think it's great that we that we realize this isn't this isn't some past history that we're just reviewing and trying to learn from, although that's what it is, but we have to be able to see that <coughs> you know, these these things are effective right now. And we need to take heed just as these people were being warned. These these same these people are out there for us today. These guys were so zealous and they're pressing forward to do evil and to go from evil to evil and wax worse and worse that they actually was wearing themselves out committing iniquities. Which is again that pressing forward that they're doing is exactly going the wrong way, according yeah. to scripture. <clears throat> and these guys are wearing themselves out, committing iniquities, instead of wearing themselves out by doing good. We're forewarned to not grow weary in well-doing. Continue, continue that, it, no matter how tired you get, keep doing it. These guys are doing it just the opposite, which is exactly where the world <clears throat> stands in relation to God and his ways. The ways of the world and God's ways are as far as east is from west. And it really, it's, it, it really is highlighted and stands out here with, with what these guys are doing. Yeah. How, far, how far off the straight and narrow they are. So and, let's that's a good point. How far are they off? So to your estimate, how many years is this point uh, from when they were given the law? 800 years. 800, 800 years. 800, yeah, 1490. So 890 years, give or take. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. 
So that's a long time to get calloused up because it, it was ongoing breaking God's commandments. They, they broke them. As soon as they got them, they broke them. And before they got them. <laughs> before they got them, they broke them. They were worshiping that thing down at the bottom of the hill. Until the law came, they they wasn't imputed to them because there was no there there was no transgression before the law. Nothing to point it out to them. Amen, brother. But now, but now there was, and now the sin got imputed to them. Everyone was a, accountable to their own sin. Amen. But and and you know what? Things are going to get worse and worse from where we are right now until until Jesus comes. Things will continue to get worse and worse. So it's however bad this seems and however bad everything that we've been talking about seems to be, we ain't seen nothing yet. Mm. So like we said at the beginning, the they that's in verse 5 applies to the brothers and the neighbors in verse 4. Mm-hmm. So if you'll turn to Jeremiah 23, it's amazing how many of these uh, things now in Jeremiah, we can find companion verses and stuff in the same book. <clears throat> because it goes uh, not in chronological order, but back and forth and up and down. But in Jeremiah 23, verse 14, okay, and uh, again, remembering these neighbors and brothers that mentioned in verse four. Well, here's. Here's who those brothers and neighbors are, at least some of them. Verse 14, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery, they walk in lies, they strengthen also the hands of evildoers. See, these are the deceivers. That none doth return from his wickedness. They never go weary of doing evil. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as of Gomorrah. So where it doesn't mention prophets in verse 4 and 5 as the they. The prophets are part of they. And it would go to the priests, the unfaithful priests as well. But they're all part of these, and they will deceive everyone his neighbor. That's exactly what it says there in verse 14 and 23. They walk in lies and strengthen the hand of evildoers. And that testimony of the prophets there in Jeremiah 23 is just right on with verse 5.
just like that verse that you were saying lined up with it. You know, it's almost identical to it or whatever. Yeah. The one in Romans, how it matched up with verse 4 or verse yeah. 5. Yeah. And th this one does the same thing. It, it just co it complements this one. <clears throat> so while they grow weary committing iniquities, they won't return from their wickedness. Well, look in Jeremiah 15. See what the see what the other side of this coin is. These guys are waxing worse. They're pressing forward evil to evil, worse to worse, being deceived, deceiving others. And in Jeremiah 15, 6 and 7, we see the we see the flip side of it. Thou, in verse 6, Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repentance. These guys were weary, didn't get weary of doing evil. They didn't worry themselves of doing wickedness God is weary of repenting <clears throat> forgiving them forgiving them delivering them sending them over and over to who delivers them from this stuff when they turn to them and he says you know what I'm, I'm tired of putting up with this stuff and allowing it to go on you guys have wearied me. So in verse 7, it says, And I will bang them with a fan in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people. He says, Turn not from my way. Which, when we get a little bit further in Jeremiah 9 here, like verse 7 and stuff, it, it tells that's when judgment he tells what kind of judgment he's going to do just like it says there in 15 and then if, if you look at verse 15 in chapter 23 that's right after the prophets are pointed out as being part of the they the deceivers and deception verse 15 Says, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets Behold, I will feed them with wormwood, make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. God's not going to put up with this. We just confuse his. His kindness with weakness. We confuse his forgiving and his gentleness and his mercy and his grace with weakness. When I say we, I'm speaking of the they, if you fall into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But <clears throat> they've gotten so far away from God that they've seen him as uh, 
condoning their behavior. He's going right along with them. And he never has and he never will. But because sentence hasn't been executed speedily against their misdoings, they, their heart goes more and more willing to do evil and go from evil to evil. That's a, you know, I think that's part of what that verse in Hebrews is talking about when it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living. When he when he gets to the point that he's weary of repenting, uh, that's a that's a fearful place to be for man because he's fixing to fall into his hand. Even like he said, my hand, I'll stretch out my hand over you. So I wrote down a couple of scriptures out of the New Testament to contrast with the behavior of the people here, the attitude in verse 5. And uh, one of them was in James 1.13, where it says, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted the of man. Where these guys, all they all they done was but went from deception to deception, <coughs> from wicked work to wicked work. Yes. <coughs> John seventeen seventeen says, "Thy word is true." All right, here here in Jeremiah, it's, these people would not speak the truth. They shunned the truth. They shunned God's word. Titus 1, 2, which God cannot lie. God doesn't teach his tongue to lie. But these guys did. It's impossible for God to lie. But these guys work hard at it. You know, if you're going to teach your tongue to do something, you got to spend some time teaching, right? Yeah. You got to spend some time pressing towards that wicked mark. Yeah. Revelation fifteen three. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways. These guys wearied themselves committing iniquities. Nothing about iniquity is just and true. Nothing about iniquity is great and marvelous. And I, I mentioned these divine nature traits in these, these scriptures that I just gave out of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. In contrast with these guys, this, this is these were describing God's nature, these verses that I just gave. And the reason that I did that was because if we've been born again, 
then we've been, we've been given the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to be partakers of his divine nature. Second Peter 1 4 says that. While we fall short of accomplishing those divine nature traits all the time, we certainly are pressing toward that mark, which is the prize of the high calling of God, not pressing like these guys were towards deception and evil works. And that high prize that we press forward and toward is the high calling of God in Christ, who never fell short. He never failed to portray the divine nature of God. And that's 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 what we're called to do. We've been given that enabling power to the extent that we'll tap into it and use it. The Holy Spirit that lives within us, he's perfectly able to walk in the divine nature of God 24-7. But he'll only do it if we'll allow him to do it in us. He'll let us walk in the flesh. He'll let us get out of our faith and walk in the flesh. But he'll also nudge us in the ribs and tell us to come back, too. So, with that being said, we don't teach our tongues to lie. But we study to show ourselves the truth. And by studying to show ourselves the truth, we shun profane and vain babbling. Which is what this deception and being deceived is all about. It's vain babbling. Can we say that? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Why should we shun profane and vain babbling? Why should we shun this stuff that we're reading about in verse 4 and 5 in Jeremiah here? What, when it says take heed, why? Why? Why should we shun that? Because it's wrong. And in a little leaven leaveth the whole lump. Amen. Because they will increase into more ungodliness. Yeah. Of which we should absolutely. Remember when it says, uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a working that needeth not to be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Well, here, if we don't shun the vain and the profane and vain babbling that increase in, when they increase into more ungodliness, we should be absolutely ashamed of that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but these guys weren't. These guys not only weren't ashamed, but they looked forward to the next wicked work that they could, you know, they had to get done with this work so they could get to the next one. Yeah. Evil where, to evil. Yes. Where we should be doing the good faith work. Faith to faith. Yep. And, and can't <clears> wait <throat> for the next faith work. Yeah. And not we grow 
and not grow weary in it, just like these guys didn't grow weary of doing it the other way. Yeah. And finally, we shouldn't grow weary in well-doing. How come? Why shouldn't we not just throw our hands up and say, you know what, all these good works that I'm doing ain't, ain't account for nothing. They're all vain. I don't see no fruit in none of it. Why should, oh. why should we not grow weary in well-doing? Oh, because our Lord's coming. Because in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Oh, okay. It's amazing. Was... It's amazing sometimes how Scripture will answer its own question in the same verse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll tell us, it'll admonish us to do a certain thing, and then it'll tell us why we should do it. But if we don't mix faith with that, if we don't mix, uh, then that admonishment is, does us no good. It only does us good if we adhere to it and hearken to it. And realize that in due season, that I think God's time. The good works that we're doing will... Be assured that your work in the Lord isn't in vain. Isn't that what Scripture says? Yes. Yeah. Your work in labor and love is not in vain. Right. Amen. So in due season, we'll reap if we faint out. That's, that's why we don't grow weary in well-doing. Those things... Those things are stored for us up in heaven where rust and thieves and stuff don't corrupt your steel. All these things that the, all these things that the babes are doing in four and five and on, those things are, will pass away. They'll burn up. Yeah. They may be getting immediate results. Being able to deceive others and slander others and stuff like that. <clears throat> but they won't last. Yeah. Praise God. He's not going <clears throat> to have any of that when he comes. His kingdom won't, won't be filled. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. <laughs> Ready to go to verse 6? Yeah. Y'all done with verse five? Well, let me look back at it again. Sure. <laughs> oh, take ye heed. Uh, you had mentioned take heed. I wanted to bring that up. I thought that was pretty interesting. <clears throat> take ye heed. Um, and just by taking heed, it's 55 times used in the Bible. <clears throat> um But 
Yeah, we, this we, one we, stuck out. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But I exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as it is in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke, howbeit not all came out of Egypt by Moses. So I just thought that was a, a good contrast or a, a good verse in connecting that where he's talking about take heed everyone to his neighbor. All right. Watch out and trust not in any brother. But the Lord is not saying that to a saved Jew anymore. He is saying, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief like it was back in the day before Christ came, before our Messiah showed up. And then it's interesting that the heart of unbelief, when we get to that 26, is talking about in all of the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. And that's where the Lord is really wanting for where he's dealing at. He's dealing into the zone where our hearts are broken and humbled and contrite. And he, and through our faith, he makes us alive through that. Cuts away the old man. He's still there, but it's like a weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, well, he's separated from. He's been cut loose. Yeah. That's what the circumcision of the heart does. It cuts you loose. Yeah. And but <clears throat> sorry. Those, those ammunitions that to take heed and stuff uh, is it's good advice. It was good advice for these people in Jeremiah's time if they would do it. It's good advice for us if we'll do it. But there's consequences if we don't. Yeah. And that's what that's what the, the curses and the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 was all about. It said if you'll do these things. All these blessings will come, but if you don't, all these things. And what these people are fixing to go through is because of their rebellion, because of their forsaken the Lord, they're they're going to get a taste of the backside of that. Corn. Yeah. So you know, another thing is. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm ready to go on to number five. Never mind. Verse six. Verse six. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to to know me, saith the Lord. That's the power. Uh, You know, it's subtle, but the one behind all the deception is he's the most subtle creature of all, right? Yeah. And uh, and it is subtle. That's why we so easily besets us because it, it jumps on us before we know it. Yeah. We don't even 
We don't see that one coming, but it's all over us. And uh, so even though Jeremiah's habitation, which where he dwelt, his habitation was where he was dwelling, was in the midst of the sea. He was a shining light for the word of God, with the word of God. It's no different today. It's a dark world out there. But we can be that light and bring the word from God to them. But Jeremiah's audience drew deceit, refused to hear his words. Thereby they rejected Jeremiah as well as God. And in going from evil to evil, they refused to have a relationship with God. See, they re- they refused to know me. If you're going to know somebody, you got to have a relationship with them. Yeah. Well, they didn't want that either. Think about that for a minute. Someone would not want to have a relationship with the omniscient, omnipresent, uh, all-knowing, all-seeing. Someone would not want a relationship with him. But that's what deception will do. That's exactly the ball field that the devil plays on. So, in... In Jeremiah 29, verse 8, we find the deceit that dwelt where Jeremiah lived. 29, for thus saith the Lord, of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you, in the midst of you, his habitation was his seat in the midst of it, that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which he caused to be dreams. See, that's right there. That's a good verse right there about people that with dreams and visions. That's the people we're supposed to take heed of, those that are going to be deceiving us. <clears throat> yeah, but they cause themselves to have the dreams. Right. Oh, yeah. They want, they, they're all for it. They're all, they're all in. It's just what? like... If you're if you're going to go to a palm reader or a tarot card, you know, mm-hmm. um, you are allowing yourself to come into that atmosphere where them unclean spirits are at, and then what's going to take place is that sure it's going to show you something, 
that you're going to get deceived and think, oh, I got to keep going. I got to keep doing. I got to keep making sure she's got to tell me the way. I got to know the right way. But for so many of them, that's what they want is to be. They, they don't see it as being deceived. They just want something that will make them comfortable in the, in the way in the lifestyle that they live. Or I got an advantage. I got the future. I know what's going yeah. on. So these, yeah, these guys <clears throat> are, they're feeding on that. So here we got what what kind of describes a little bit of what the uh, verse six and thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. We get a little flavor here of where that deceit's coming from and who it is that's given it. And if that wasn't enough here in Jeremiah twenty nine eight, if that wasn't enough deceit. Go to 27.9. Therefore, hearken not ye to your prophets, nor to your diviners, nor to your dreamers. But look what he adds. Nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, who speak unto you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon. Mm. So all that is in the midst of where Jeremiah is growing. He has to deal, he's surrounded with that. He has to deal with that all the time. And I think here in 27, 9, where he lists, now, all, all of these, uh, all of these, these, uh, the diviners, the dreamers, the enchanters, the sorcerers, well, all of those are synonymous one with another. I think because they're all listed in this one verse, separately, that the, the appearance there is that they are distinct one from another. You understand what I'm saying? They're well, distinct one from another? Explain. Well, like I said, all of these can be used synonymously. You can look up definitions or you can look up uh, what is a dreamer, what is an enchanter, what is a sorcerer, what is a diviner, and they will all come up with a diviner is like a dreamer or like an enchanter. A dreamer is like a diviner or an enchanter. A sorcerer, is, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But by listing them all separately, you get the appearances given there that they are all distinct in some manner or form, one from another. Otherwise he yeah. would have just otherwise he would have just said one word. Yeah. So that that's the, my point is all of these are while they are similar to one another, they are distinct one from another as well. And and that's that's the <clears throat> broad umbrella of deception and wickedness is how how broad it is. Well, I think that it's interesting that the prophets, the diviners, the dreamers, the enchanters, the sorcerers, they all speak the same message. Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon. See, Which is a, they're different. They're different. Uh, different uh, sets. Sects. 
S-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still preaching the same false message. But and, how? Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. How they got the message across that you shall not serve the king of Babylon could have come in many different ways. And that's where the, that's where the difference is. They they weren't just saying flat out you shall not serve the king. They were they they could have been saying that all come down and meant the same thing. You shall not serve the king of Babylon. But they they presented it to the people in in a deceiving way so that they would believe it. And each of their ways was different in telling them how they how they would not serve the king of Babylon. Yet. I'm trying to think of an example, but I, I can't just right off the top of my head. But I, they all led to the same. They all led to the same main point: is you know what, what Jeremiah is telling you, what God is telling us to do. We're not gonna. We're not gonna obey it. We we believe that Jeremiah is the false prophet. We believe these guys are telling us what we need to do. So they're. By believing that would serve the king of Babylon, these prophets, these dreamers, these enchanters, these sorcerers are telling them to forsake God, forsake God's word, forsake God's message, and listen to us. Choose you which one. Why halt you between two, you know, opinions? Choose you who you serve. Okay. So, considering that Jeremiah is being faithful to the Lord in speaking his word, Jeremiah is right where God would have him to be. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And with that, with that being said, then it's kind of understandable why Jeremiah would cry out in verse 2 that he wished he had a place in the wilderness uh, where, where, he, where he, a lodging place where he could go to be away from all this. He's, in the, he's, surrounded, he's surrounded by this stuff. It gets overwhelming at times. And you're just looking for a break. You're just looking for a way to chill out. Kind of like I'm looking for a day of just not doing anything to recoup. Yeah. That's that's exactly why we're given that admonition to not grow weary and well-doing. Jeremiah is being light for these people, but things are just starting to overwhelm him. Till he comes to the point in verse 2 where he says, oh man, I wish I just had a place in the wilderness where I could lodge and get away from all this. And God knows that while he's enabled us and empowered us to partake of his nature, he knew that we'd fall short. So he gives us admonitions like, don't go weary and well, hang in there. Stand up, be you men. 
Mm. In Psalms 55, 6 through 8, David responded in a similar way when things were coming at him. Psalms 55. And it reads at verse five, well, for verse four, my heart was sore pained within me. <coughs> Jeremiah proclaims all the time how his heart is broken, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. These things that surround Jeremiah there where he dwells is uh, no doubt it's a horror to him. Verse 6, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. That's kind of what Jeremiah is asking for in verse 2, right? Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. So that's an ongoing thing, too, for us to look for a a place of refuge. And we have one. And we have a refuge we can go to. But I think our habitat, I think where I think where we dwell today, I think we're in the midst of deceit too. It's all around us. And people that don't know the Lord, they're all around us. But are we going outside the gate and meeting them or are we finding a place in the wilderness to Hide. It's a question we have to ask ourselves. I think. Brother, keep reading. <laughs> Look at verse thirteen. What was what was thou? A man, my equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God and company. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Yeah, where we want to have that same kind of attitude, we can't have that. Wow, brother. Look at verse 17. Sure. Yeah, pray without ceasing, right? Yeah. 
be nice to have a job to do that. I guess you could do that if you had a job, right? Well, pain involves more than just being prostrate or having your hands clapped together and in your head bowed. Praying can be just the way you live. That's the only way we can pray without ceasing is to just have God as a focus on time. Yeah. Look at that. Huh? Look at that. The end of that verse. He shall hear my voice. I want to make sure that the Lord hears me today. (laughs) I'm going to make sure. Hello, it's me again. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he hears you even when you're not speaking. Yeah. And he wants to hear us. Absolutely. Because he made, it, he made it a way that his spirit, when we don't even know how, what to pray for, speaks on our behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, and I think it's a huge, huge problem, and I, I think we all have it to some extent, some worse than others or whatever, but we somehow or another at times think that, you know what, I'm worrying God with all my asking and asking, and that's so far from what God wants to hear from us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ever hear the hearing from his children. Brother, we have... Uh... I heard a sermon, series of sermons that, I don't know, never mind. Oh, come on now. Well, no, I was going to say, uh, I heard a series of sermons, uh, I may have misunderstood, I may not have, that, about prayer that, uh, man, if you're going to go that route in prayer, I don't, I don't know, why would you even pray? It doesn't seem to make sense. Like, there were so many, like, rules and regulations and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh, no way, man. I don't see that at all. I think the Lord just wants to fellowship, talk, commune with one another. Amen. You know, whether it's, whether I'm begging them for something, you know, give me my inheritance now, give me my inheritance now. <laughs> Or, or if it's thanking him for taking me back for me squandering what I had, you know. Well, and, and that's thanking him. That's man getting in his own way there when uh, he thinks that okay, I, 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 if I ask for the same thing again and again and again, then where's my faith? Why is my faith not good enough to believe? when I asked the first time that whatever that I asked for, believe in, I shall receive it. But that doesn't line up with God's admonition to, to, for importunity and to keep asking. Mm-hmm. Asking you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and you shall, it shall be open. Yeah. And you keep asking. And you keep asking until the breakthrough comes. Yeah. 
it has nothing to do whether or not you, your faith is failing because you're asking a second and a third and a fourth time. It shows that you're still uh, desirous of, of that outcome. Yeah. And that's what God wants to see. He wants to see uh, uh, consistent. He wants to see consistency in yeah. people's desires. And it, and it all has to come to God. It, it all has to do with the relationship. It's how you build relationships by communicating. Yeah. yeah. You're so, talking to him. He talking to you through his word. Amen. And then build that relationship. Get grows, to know him. He never grows tired of hearing from you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But our flesh gets tired. We're oh, talking yes. to And so it'll come up with all those kind of excuses as to why you ought not to be doing it. Instead of simply remembering that we're children of the most <sighs> we need his we need his guidance and leadership and and it just to sit in his lap for a while and, and talk yeah. to him and talk to him hmm. want to go to verse seven or sure all right therefore Verse 7, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them. And try them. For how shall I do for the daughter of my people? And now he's getting into the backside of that coin choosing, blessing, or cursing, life or death. I've brought up several times already that Jeremiah, he's standing up for right, speaking the word of truth, while all around him, he's surrounded by deceit and rebellion. Yeah. And we, too, have this pendulum. Because we're in the world. And our consolation is that the Lord's coming back to put everything back in order. And until he comes, this is what the people in the Old Testament didn't have. And until he comes, we have the peace of God in us. To the end that we can be of good cheer because he's already overcome the world. Now, Jeremiah had God's word to comfort him and to give instruction from, but we have the peace of God dwelling in us. And what a blessed comfort that is. 
So look at look at Proverbs three. Three thirty-three. Pull up with threes. <clears throat> Because this is where the this is where the switch is being flipped. It's where the switch is being thrown. Proverbs three thirty three. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. That's in that, that's the midst in which Jeremiah is dwelling. Wickedness, deceit. The curse of the Lord is there. But he blesses the habitation of the just. So I think that goes right in hand with verse 7, where the Lord starts out and he says, Therefore, well, what's the therefore, therefore? Because of verse 3 through 5. Therefore, if all of these things that I've just spoken of, I'm going to melt you. And what he's doing is he, he's invoking Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. All those curses that existed back there, if they would not. And those those things that he mentioned in those in those books, like we said, was way back 290 years ago. So all these people knew about it, even if they didn't believe it. Or maybe they believed the cursings of Deuteronomy 28 and 26, but they didn't believe that the time was right yet. That's what the false prophets and unfaithful priests were telling them. Was, this stuff ain't coming yet. They brought them a message. They brought them a message of peace, peace, right? Totally in contrast with Jeremiah's message. There is no peace. So, where we already seen that, where God said, I'm tired, I'm weary of repenting. I'm going to turn the coin over, I'm going to flip the switch, and we're going to go from blessings to cursing. Behold, I'll melt you into the God is a brilliant system we could go to to complement that and go into more of what the judgment's going to be. Uh, I was just 